You're listening to Ari Snapshots. Each fortnight, we chat about the science behind the weeds, tackling herbicide resistance, and bringing you the latest information with experts in the field. For Ari Snapshots this week, we're chatting with well-known weed and crop agronomist Dr. Hugh Becky. He's from Canada, and he's here on a short visit to Ari, and we're really lucky to have him here. How are you going, Hugh? Very good, Jessica. Thank you. Now, can you give us a little bit of background? Because I don't think the RE audience is too familiar with your work, as you're based in Canada, obviously. Can you give us a bit of an overview? Well, I've been working in the area of weed resistance for the last 25 years, and uh, very much an applied program. So we look at how best to manage uh, uh, worst weeds, uh, wild oats being the number one. Yeah, and wild oats, it's a particularly tricky weed for our northern growers. They're finding it's becoming a more evasive and it, they're finding it's becoming a bigger problem in that region. Can you give us a little bit of insight into how you've managed the weed in Canada? Well, I spent 90% of my research on wild oat because it is our number one weed. It's pervasive right across western Canada. It's well adapted in our wetter, cooler climate, but is also uh, found in our very dry, uh, hotter areas as well. It's a very weedy species, and the fact that at least our species, it tends to shatter before harvest. And so that combined with a persistent seed bank makes it a very difficult weed to, to try and manage. So what are some of the tactics you've been finding that are most effective to manage this weed? Well, of course, uh, our farmers have relied on, on herbicides, in-crop herbicides, to control it. The problem with wild oats, though, at least in Western Canada, is it tends to emerge early in the growing season, and it emerges, the emergence is staggered throughout the growing season. So you may be able to control it in the burndown or, or the in-crop, but you'll still get flushes of wild oats throughout the growing season, which will impact crop yield. Yeah, so what kind of impact does it have on crop yield? Do you, can you give us a bit of detail well, on the numbers? In our wheat crops, we can get yield losses of 20 to 30%. That's quite common. And in our less competitive crops, like our pulse crops, uh, it can be as high as 70%. So it's a prolific seed producer, and it's an extremely competitive uh, weed. It's Usually it's, it's above the crop canopy, so it, uh, it likes uh, to capture all that radiant energy that, uh, that uh, the crops don't get. So with those issues that you've described especially the early shattering and all of those kind of issues that present themselves with this weed how do you overcome that to try and get those weed numbers down and not impact the crop yield it is very difficult so besides uh, herbicides and various application windows we rely on competitive crops for example canola has been a key uh, management tool for our growers because they can use modes of action uh, that may not be used in other crops, and uh, our hybrid canola is extremely competitive with wild oats, and it's uh, it's been shown to be twice as competitive, for example, as our older open pollinated varieties. So, canola has been one crop that's been very useful, besides uh, herbicides, and of course, uh, growers have increased their crop seeding rates to help uh, outcompete uh, the weed, and they do try and seed earlier because whoever gets up first wins the game, and so the crop the want uh, rapid crop emergence to, to, uh, for the crop to emerge before the wild oats, and that has a tremendous effect on reducing the, the uh, competitive effects of this weed. When it comes to things like crop rotation, was that something that only happened when farmers really had to make that change because of the lack of herbicide options? Not really. You know, farmers generally choose their crop rotations based on economics. You know, in, in the 1970s and 80s, it was typical just a wheat fallow rotation because that's what was the norm. And then with uh, 
with more conservation tillage, they, they, were, they were able to diversify and do more continuous cropping. And wheat still dominated, but we saw an increase in, in, in the canola acreage and the pulse crop acreage for us. It's been uh, field peas and lentils. And with the different herbicide uh, herbicides used in those different crops, it has helped keep uh, being able to manage wild oat with, with a different chemistry. And um, now farmers rely um, more so on the burn down, and there's some good uh, new chemistry, at least in Western Canada, that has some residual control that can uh, helpfully suppress the wild oat, get the crop up, and then uh, and then there's uh, so much ahead of the game after that. So would you say that uh, farmers and agronomists in Canada have a good understanding of the importance of all these tactics? In, they in do. They've been dealing with uh, wild oat. It's been our number one weed for 50 years, so they're very, uh, and with all the extension work, research that's been done, um, they, they have a very good idea of uh, how to advise growers in terms of, and growers themselves know how to best manage uh, this weed. But it's always, it's always going to be a challenge for them because uh, we do have a lot of weed resistance in this weed. And, you know, 80% of our resistant cases uh, are wild oat. And we do have a lot of multiple resistance to more than one uh, herbicide mode of action. So um, growers are starting to um, rely more on the, the pre-emergence applications because a lot of our in-crop options just don't exist anymore. I think what would be really beneficial for the northern region growers to hear is what are the tactics and management plans that those top growers in Canada are putting in place to really get on top of wild oats compared to maybe the growers who are being a little bit laissez-faire about it? The growers that have been successful in managing wild oats in Western Canada are those that uh, have diversified their crop rotation. So usually they use canola to clean up their fields. Uh, even though wild oat has a persistent seed bank, uh, our hybrid canolas can really have a good impact on reducing uh, the seed bank population. And then when they go in the next year, if they're combining the effective burn-down herbicides with, um, there's still some good alternative uh, in-crop uh, in selective herbicides. And also they come in uh, pre-harvest, and so that has an impact on reducing wild oat viability uh, and um, even though we will get some seed chatter, um, if they can reduce the, the, weed, the weed seed production, uh, then uh, over time, and this does take a number of years, they've been very successful versus those that uh, maybe haven't been as uh, disciplined in terms of crop diversity or including competitive crops uh, and good agronomic practices such as increasing the crop seeding rates, uh, um, good fertilizer timing placement, that all has, has had a very synergistic effect on managing wild oats. So even though it is our number one problem, growers are successfully managing this weed, although it can cause, uh, as I mentioned, significant yield loss uh, if uh, conditions aren't right. Well, Hugh, I think you've given a really good overview there, and thank you so much. Really great to meet you. Yeah, it's a pleasure, Jessica. We just heard from Hugh Becky talking about wild oats in Western Canada and how they're treating it over there. And now we're going to get a bit more of a local perspective of how wild oats is being monitored and managed in the northern region. I've got one of our extension officers on the line, Paul McIntosh. How are you going, Paul? Uh, well, thanks, Jess. Now, tell us a little bit more about how wild oats is affecting the northern region. Wild oats has been a problem for many years up here and we were lucky that we had some pretty competitive varieties of wheat and also we've always had that ability to rotate to summer crops and that's been a big thing in the past uh, 
30 to 40 years of maintaining uh, a control over wild oats with having to use chemistry that was very expensive in the good days of, of wheat and barley production. So we're sort of been using crop rotation, but more like um, season rotation more than anything. So we just float back into a, a sorghum crop or a corn crop or a sunflower crop or even a pulse crop in summer to control our black oats from our winter crops. Yeah, right. And so is there any differences in the management approaches being taken in the last few years compared to how you've done it in the past? Is, or is there any need for new management tactics? There is. There's a whole raft of reasons why black oats has got such a good going up here, I suppose. The big thing was being we've had some pretty dry summers and the winters have been very kind to us. And the big chickpea, the chickpea love affair in the northern region of over a million hectares of Bessie continues and, and continues the last two or three years. And because those crops had wider rows, they weren't as competitive with black oats as yeah. we know we get with wheat and barley. So we've got a bit of a flush, and we've got more than one flush. We've probably had three flushes in the wet and dry times. And of course, our black oats decide they like to germinate anywhere from March to September. So they've got a very wide time of germination. They've had some non-competitive crops in the winter crop situation the last three years because of economic drivers. So we've got a great flush of wild oats up here that are getting more resistant to the group A's and there's a lot more of them on the ground from previous years of winter crop. Yeah, right. Well, it sounds like people just need to yeah, continue to be vigilant and yeah, take the advice on board of agronomists who are keeping an eye on what's happening with, with wild oats and, and management tactics, Paul. Absolutely, Jess. And one of the biggest things will be if we can get some decent money and some decent rain in our summer crops, that'll push us back into a summer crop program and that'll give us some natural control of of black oats instead of having to risk more group A's getting more highly resistant to our black oats in their winter crops. Yes, fingers crossed, hey? Fingers crossed for sure. All right, thanks so much for the update, Paul. Anytime, Jess.